Who will you emerge as when you no longer conform to the rigid ideas you've been bought and sold into? When you no longer bow down, play small, or shrink yourself to fit their standards? I see you. I hear you. I feel you. And I am here with you. This is Addicted to the Man, the show where we challenge the status quo and evoke radical change. Be prepared to receive life-changing transmissions while you cry, laugh, celebrate, and liberate yourself. Let's have a talk. Hey there, welcome back to a new episode of Addicted to the Man. I'm Henny, and as always, I want to take a moment here and pause and express my gratitude to all of you listening, commenting, and sharing your thoughts and giving me love. Thank you. And today, I am doing an actual conversation with a person. It's been a minute since I've had a guest on the show. As you may have noticed, the last few episodes have been me sharing my musings and discoveries. And I really like it, but it's also very nice to have a guest, someone to share their point of view, expertise, and wisdom with us. And today... I can very much appreciate this expertise that my guest is bringing to the table. You see, I've been meaning to and meaning to um, dive deeper and contemplate on this topic. Am I just a fuck doll? But I could never figure out what direction to take it and and how to really navigate it. And when Kale had agreed to come on the show, and I suggested we name this talk. Am I just a fuck doll? She didn't shy away, didn't frown. In fact, she said, hell yeah, let's do it. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Kale Kepke, who is a sex and relationship coach and a psychotherapist in New York City. And before we dive deeper into this question, I let you tell us in your own words, What inspired you to become a sex coach? Because I'm sure that there is an interesting story behind this. Absolutely. I mean, like anything, right? Your personal life kind of is reflected in your professional life. And so that's definitely been true for me. I grew up in the Midwest where it was very conservative and my family wasn't Christian, but it was very tumultuous upbringing. So by the time I was 18 and introduced to Christianity, I just really like glommed onto it as my family. So it was, I was like a missionary and I was really evangelical gung-ho Christian for the majority of my adult life from 18 until I was like late, late thirties. And so what I learned through that was to that sexuality was something to be controlled and to be suppressed, particularly if you're not married. And so sexuality is sacred, but it's something for your husband. It's not mine. Right. I couldn't even touch myself without feeling like there was, I was taking something away from my husband because that's what I was taught. And so I had years, decades of suppressing my own sexuality. And yet at the same time, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like totally living in my masculine self, which is like success, high achievement. I need to create a, you know, a business that's successful, that people will respect me. 
And yet there is this part of me that was still really struggling with insecurity and self-doubt and just feeling like my foundation within myself was not really strong. Like I always sensed that, but I didn't know quite what to do about it. And so at some point, and as a psychotherapist, because I've been a psychotherapist for over 20 years, I came across Layla Martin's information about how sexuality is very much tied to your confidence, to your creativity, to your source of, of, of life. And so I thought I'd never heard that before being in the Christian world all this time. Sexuality was something that you control and that is, it is just for the bedroom and that's it. You don't talk about it. You don't celebrate it. You certainly don't allow yourself to really even think about it really. Right. And so it had been really compartmentalized. So I was really curious. And so I um, signed up for a couple of her courses and it just blew my mind in terms of all that I had been really missing out on all my life, which was me. That was the core of me, like my sexuality was was who was my power was my intuition was connecting with all of me not just the head part of me or the parts of me that were acceptable um and so and in becoming so liberated i i decided i wanted to like really get into this and become a coach because as a psychotherapist my goal is to really impact people at the core so that they can become empowered themselves and not necessarily need me anymore. And yet I felt like my impact was very minimal. And so I wanted to incorporate what I started to believe was the core of what women really needed to do, which was reconnect with themselves as sexual beings and be able to help them to do that. And so my own journey has what is what has led me to become a coach and to do this with others. And that makes sense. I knew there was something personal about this. Um, I do have a lot of questions and I'm also somewhat of a skeptic. So um, just be a little patient with me, play around with me here and entertain my silly questions, if you will. I wasn't brought up in a religious household, so I can't relate there, but it was definitely an unspoken belief that sex and sensuality are not to be discussed and it's something to keep secret. So Needless to say, I've had a heck of a time figuring it all out, and I'm, I'm still very much confused about this topic. I certainly have been exploring and have tried it all, suppressing it, shaming it, acting out, and living it all up, and everything in between. And as a result, I've been a victim of sexual abuse and rape. I was fired from my corporate job because I spoke up about sexual harassment, and my third marriage which I've been married and divorced three times now, ended with a domestic abuse situation. So as you can see, I have a very mixed feelings about us women using sexuality as a power tool. Because to me, it's not powerful. In fact, when it came down to having a voice and standing up for myself, all of that perceived sexual power was non-existent. I did not have a voice. I was silenced and I was fired from my job. So can you speak for that? Where is this sexual power and how can it empower us women? Absolutely. And I'm glad you bring that up because we live in a very interesting time right now where under patriarchy, 
women are the most liberated that we probably have ever been under the under the patriarchal conditioning that we live under. Um, and at the same time, we're, we're not really sure what to do with that liberation, right? And, and what it could end up happening is that we end up putting ourselves in situations where we're more vulnerable to being taken advantage of than we were before we actually found that liberation sexually, right? And so um, because of also the rise of not just porn, but the type of porn, like what is actually becoming more mainstream now with porn is something that is even more degrading. Like, like you can't watch porn without seeing something with BDSM or anal or something. And so this is what our kids are growing up with. So there's a sense that we're being, more, we're more sexually liberated than we've ever been. While at the same time, we're being more objectified than we've ever been in many ways and, and being seen as as just an, a fuck doll, as you, as you mentioned before. Um, and so one of the things that I had to go through personally myself is after going through this coaching program, I was feeling so sexually liberated, right. And in my power and like being in the safe container with all of these amazing women that did the coaching program with me and finding acceptance in my sexuality and not feeling shame. And if I want to sleep with somebody on the first date, I should be able to do whatever it is that I want. If I want to dance at a provocatively at a bar, I should be able to do that. If I want to flirt with somebody, I should be able to do that. And so I was coming out of the program with that attitude. And I actually ended up, um, I was at a bar with friends and I was dancing. Like I, I love to dance and I was dancing very provocatively. Cause I thought who the fuck cares? I should be able to do it. The rules that apply for men should apply for women too. And the owner of the bar started flirting with me. And, um, by the end of the, I, so I was chatting with him. I kind of struck up a trust with him. And then by the end of the night, he grabbed one and my arm and his friend grabbed the other. And they said, we're going to go back to the bathroom to have a threesome. And everything in me was like, I don't want to do that. That that's not what I, especially in the, maybe at a different time and place, and a, but definitely not here and now. This did not feel safe. Not in a bathroom. This is this is not what I want to do. But I did not had not developed my sense of power, my personal empowerment yet. I was I felt this sexual liberation, like I should be able to do whatever I want. I don't care what anybody thinks. But I could not yet speak out for myself. In that moment, and I would have, I in that moment, I would rather go back and, and tolerate whatever it was that was about to happen to me, than say no and have these men look at me like I was a tease or uh, disappointed in me or just think that I'm not a good time. And I remember as I walked back there with them, thinking, okay, whatever is going to happen, I can tolerate it, and that's fucked up, right? And so. I, I couldn't handle the sexual liberation that I was allowing myself because I had not yet developed the personal empowerment to be able to say no to that and to walk away and, and to challenge really the conditioning that had been, that I've been living under my entire life. And so I ended up being violently assaulted in the bathroom. And I had to spend a, a two, at least two months in the dark night of the soul after that, really questioning, what is wrong with me? Why did I do that? And what does it even mean to be sexually liberated? And, and can I even be myself under this 
culture that we live in? Can I actually really be sexually free to do what I want? Because I still live under this culture of people and men who are going to misunderstand my behavior as loose and that I'm asking for that behavior, right? But but then I had to stop. I was like, okay, I went too quickly in the sexual liberation and I really needed to find my voice and come home to myself where first I could hear my intuition and then I could have the courage to actually speak out, right? And yes, it's a journey for all of us, right? Because we're so inundated with the idea that I am here as a woman to meet your needs, not have needs. And so therefore it's a, it's a huge it's a huge, it's very scary. It's a huge mind shift to get over. Yes, it is scary. And when I think about it, I realize that we can't just prematurely sexually liberate ourselves without actually developing that voice that to be able to speak up for ourselves, because that's where the trouble comes in. Um, that is why, you know, I didn't have a voice when I was speaking up and, and also we end up blaming ourselves, right? Because we think we brought it on to ourselves. Like if I didn't put on those high heels and didn't wear those tight jeans, then this wouldn't have happened. Not necessarily. If I know how to communicate effectively and a no means no. So that is, this is a, a dangerous place to be. So I'm wondering, how do you develop that voice simultaneously with working on uh, liberating yourself sexually? So you don't prematurely do this without having that voice, without having that, that presence. How do we do that? Absolutely. So I, I think first your, your question being is a, is a great question, which is how do I find that within myself? How do I find my voice? And we've been so conditioned to think again, right? That our sexuality only has to, is only existent in, in relation to someone else, primarily a man, right? Because we're traditionally heterosexual culture. Um, so, but really we've been stripped and denied our, our own ability co to connect with our sexuality. And that's where I think sexuality is so much more than what we typically think of it. And so I had to develop my own, my own relationship with my own sexuality, right? And so spending time self-pleasuring and getting rid of doing the healing that comes from the shame that I feel with even allowing myself to feel pleasure and, and, and to much less celebrating my own pleasure without anybody a part of it. That's, that's like foreign to me, right? Because you're raised that that's all, that's all very depraved. And so, in so doing, I started to really develop as I developed a relationship with my own sexuality, just me, myself, and I, I began to develop more and more confidence within myself that I can say what I need. And if you don't like it, that's okay. We don't have to be in relationship because I have myself at the end of the day to come home to. And that gave me so much security that I could say what it is that I wanted and needed 
And if it doesn't work out, I didn't have these fears that you're going to leave me and what's going to happen to me because I had begun to so develop my own sense of safety within myself that I became my own anchor. And I didn't have that before. And women in general don't have that to the degree that they're cut off from their sexuality because our sexuality is our anchor. It is our connection, not only to ourself, but to the universe, right? Or to the divine, right? That, um, and so I think that that's also why we've been stripped from our sexuality um, systematically by patriarchal culture, because there's an awareness that that is where women's, women's empowerment is, is in their sexuality. And so, because it's the relationship that they have to themselves, as opposed to it's something I use to manipulate a circumstance outside of myself, which is another way in which we typically look at it. It's actually something that we, connects me to me. And to the degree that I'm not connected to that is the degree to which I'm not connected to self. And that's the degree to which I have to find it outside of myself. And that's where it becomes like hollow sexuality, if you will. Okay, so let's break this down because if I have to be completely honest, I'm not quite certain I fully understand. Perhaps my definition of sensuality or sexuality is a bit distorted and there may need to be a redefining of it all. But quite frankly, I don't see very many empowered women around me, ones that I can look at and say with conviction that this is an empowered woman, a fully liberated woman. Not in, a, in my immediate circle or, or women that I personally know. There is still that underlying need for approval, for being accepted and loved by the other. And that brings me to my next question. Why so much emphasis on sexuality? Why do you say that this is our connection to our inner guidance, our intuition? Because I, because my um, belief system is that your sexuality is also the source of your intuition to be, because to be, so tantric philosophy, one of the founding principles is that you want to make everything conscious, right? And so part of why it's so important to, to address your sexuality is because since we've had to systematically suppress it, it's not, it's become very unconscious. And to the degree that something is unconscious is the degree to which we don't have control over it or it's controlling us and we aren't aware of that. So we can't do anything about it. And so becoming conscious of it is to actually have to focus on it and become aware of it, right? What are the limiting beliefs around my sexuality? What are the energetic blocks because of the trauma that I've experienced and wanting from other people? What are um, the, the conditioned beliefs that go along with the limiting beliefs that I have? And so bringing conscious awareness to that, you're able to heal that and you're able to now bring it, integrate it back into the whole and let it be a part of the conversation that it wasn't even a part of before, but still dictating, right? And so the, the more you're conscious of all of your operating parts, the, the more able you're to able to access your intuition and act on that. So that's also part of 
why it's important to focus on your sexuality because otherwise you're, it's unconscious and it's affecting you without you even realizing it. Um, and so, so I would say that kind of going back to what I alluded to before, which is that there was a lot of anxiety and insecurity that I was operating with all the time. Like I, I had an idea that I had this potential that I could reach and whatever, you know, whatever that was for me, but I just couldn't get outside of myself to be able to reach it. I just couldn't believe that I could do it. I was just filled with self-doubt. And so when this program came about and I started doing some of the work that she, that she had, I started to really feel more confident about who I was as an individual right? Because I started to, through my own sexuality, I started to develop a different type of relationship with myself. And the nervous system is, I mean, for women in general, because I, that's my main clientele is women. They, by and large, 90% of them come to me for anxiety and maybe depression, but typically anxiety. And the nervous system is constantly needing to find a home. It needs a place to know that we are safe. And because women have been systematically disempowered, especially from our sexuality, we're always looking outside of ourselves to find that safety. And that's just not going to work because it's in, uh, the, uh, outside of ourselves is very unstable. And so this, this, this work of finding safety within myself, right, is through pleasure. Because when my body feels pleasure, my nervous system can relax. And when my nervous system relaxes, I'm able to get in touch with my intuition. We can't access our intuition when we're in panic or just even a low grade state of anxiety, which most women are, right? And so pleasure sends a signal that, ah, oh, things are okay, that I can relax. And so once I started to recognize that relationship, then I started to think, wow, we need, I need to create something that allows women from the psychotherapy background that I have with the, the nervous system and how the brain works. And now the sex coaching, I need to create something that helps women to be able to access and activate and harness their, this pleasure in their body, because when they do that, they're able to relax. They're able to see things clearly. They're able to access their intuition. They're able to follow their intuition because when you feel great, when you feel pleasurable in your body, when you feel happy, that's when you're able to operate in your world in the best way that you are able to at that moment, right? And so that is also where sexuality comes into this. It's so important because where else do we feel the most pleasure that's easily accessible to us is our sexuality. Well, then let's talk about pleasure. What is pleasure? I had some discussions lately with a few of my female friends and I have come to discover that our idea of pleasure is not consistent. We don't know exactly what constitutes pleasure based on my conversations. So how do you even coach someone and say, hey, you need to have more pleasure in your life? How do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. So. I mean, first we have to undo a lot of the conditioning and the limiting beliefs, right? Because the, I mean, we naturally feel 
pleasure and we seek pleasure, right? But that process has been interrupted because of our patriarchal conditioning or religious conditioning or all of the, which is one in the same to some degree, right? But, um, and so, so we have learned to, even as babies, right? We're, we are taught what is okay to touch and what is okay to feel in our bodies, right? Um, and, and so by, by the reaction that adults get when you touch yourself or even find pleasure within yourself. So we learn at a very, very young age before we can even talk what is okay to feel in our own bodies and what's not okay. So by the time women come to my office, they're by and large, very numb and wanting to feel more pleasure, but not knowing how to feel that pleasure. And so we first have to start with undoing the, the first identifying the limiting beliefs and the energetic blocks, right? And then undoing that and healing that and then creating a new narrative, right? That they can, and, and I do that through a lot of the body's own way of naturally healing itself through breath, through sound, through movement and being able to bypass the ego and bypass the limiting beliefs. Well, actually by doing that, you're actually accessing some of these beliefs because many times these beliefs aren't even conscious so that you can't even change it. You're just acting in a robotic way. You don't even realize it's due to all of these limiting beliefs that you're not even aware that you have. And so being able to use breath and a meditation, and I do these integrated practices and experiential exercises with my clients helps them to be able to first access and become aware of the unconscious beliefs and conditionings that they're living with and acting on, but then also being able to liberate themselves from it, right? Because also women are dealing with a lot of pain, right? I can't, I mean, I've not yet met a woman who's not had some kind of sexually traumatic experience to some degree, right? And so because we have been stripped of our power, we're constantly walking around, especially in, in sexual relationships, being very protective and we, as we should be, but that's also somewhat unconscious. So we're showing up, not really enjoying the experience or not being able to ask for what we want, or just kind of being slightly dissociated or just not being able to feel as much pleasure as we want because your body is like, fuck no right? Like we, this is not safe. These situations are not safe, partly because we don't have voices. And to the degree that we don't have voices is the degree to which we're not going to feel safe because the body knows we can't protect ourselves if someone chooses to harm us. So we're also walking around very protected. And that's scary to let that, that go, right? Because initially you're like, if I let this go, this has been keeping me safe for a very long time. If I let this go, then I might even be treated more poorly. And then I don't want to have to deal with that, especially because I'm going to feel shame that I let myself get, you know, get there. So there's a, there's a systematic process therefore that needs to happen, right? You're undoing all of that. And then instead of trying to find the safety in other people, which is typically what we do, right? You're finding the safety first within yourself and you're developing that voice first, right? So that when you get into that circumstance, you are better, you feel more, you feel safer because you feel like you can take care of yourself in a way that you couldn't before. And that starts to also naturally allow pleasure to start to show up again in your body that could not show up when you're in a state of feeling unprotected and afraid, right? Pleasure doesn't show up when, when you're feeling that way. 
right? So as you start to calm yourself, as you start to feel safer, as you work through your limiting beliefs, pleasure can now start to take the place of what was there before, which was the pain, the doubt, the fears, all of that. I appreciate that you went into more in-depth explanation of this. So pleasure is not purely sexual, right? Pleasure, as I understand you, can be brought up upon by breath work, meditation, dance, etc. <laughs> you know, I wonder if I'm like an isolated incident here, or is there a misconception on what pleasure is? And we just, you know, created these narratives in our heads that are just playing over and over. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. So let's just switch gears here for a moment. Um, I know you have a retreat coming up in Costa Rica and I can't help but wonder why a retreat. So here goes my, you know, little skepticism and, um, my questioning, even though I have gone on retreats myself, I would like to know what is your motivation? What is your vision, your intention for this retreat? As we've been talking, um, we discussed that some of these conditionings that uh, we're dealing with are incredibly hardwired. And I realize and I feel that there is a, there is a need for a, a lot of time to unlearn all of these programs that we have been programmed into. So how is it that a retreat is so powerful and can make such a big difference if it's only, let's say, a week, week long program? Yeah. Um, well, retreats, you know, by nature, allow you to really submerge yourself in an experience which can have a, a greater impact than what, for instance, you, you could get from one hour of coaching with me a week, right? Because you're fully immersing yourself in the experience and um, being able to really build upon it allows you to actually also get deeper. It's in this safe container. So retreats in general are like, are like years of therapy, have the potential to be years of therapy um, and just like a, a week, right? So there's a unique experience with that. And in this particular retreat, because it's about reclaiming your pleasure, your play and your power, right? And this is, it's co-ed, so it's both for men and women. But as a society, we've really kind of, I don't know if demonized is the right word, but demonized pleasure, um, and we certainly don't feel that great celebrating pleasure, right? There's certain um, connotations that we might have. So we've kind of we've kind of put it to the side. And yet, as I spoke to earlier, pleasure has so many amazing benefits, right? Because it has the ability to make your nervous system feel safe. You can process trauma when you are able to access pleasure in your body. So for instance, I, I went, I had to um, get this double biopsy and going into it, I started to get panic that I was, could potentially have like stage four cancer and die. 
right? And so as I was experiencing this panic that I felt like I had never experienced in my life, I thought I have to I have to figure out how to resource pleasure in my body knowing what I know. And so I began to use a pendulum. Like I, I would titrate the, I would feel the pain. And then I would imagine that there was a pendulum that was swinging over and hovering right above my genitals. And then I allowed myself to feel pleasure almost like a, like a safety, right? So I could tolerate the pain and the fear because I could go and resource safety. I mean, I could resource pleasure at, at any moment that it became too difficult. So being able to resource pleasure within your body, and, and I'll get to what all of pleasure means in a second, but um, is, is a, like a superpower and being able to access your trauma, heal your trauma, um, at, uh, to talk yourself off the ledge, um, to keep yourself from making choices that you might feel are irrational or impulsive because you're able to resource and soothe yourself with pleasure. And, and so therefore I really wanted to be able to offer that to people and help teach them. How can you access pleasure at any moment that you're really needing it? And so pleasure also is the ability to find pleasure in your entire body right? So yes, sexual pleasure is the easiest and the fastest and the, and the strongest source of pleasure, but every cell of your body craves pleasure and actually is capable of feeling pleasure. We've just numbed ourselves because as a, as a culture, we numb ourselves to many emotions and don't know how to process trauma. And so to the degree that we have trauma and unprocessed emotions is the degree to which we have energetic blocks within us. And those energetic blocks keep pleasure from being able to move into our body. So if I have a lot of pain that manifests itself in my chest or in my stomach, I'm not going to be able to feel pleasure there because I haven't removed the pain that's there. Right. And so being able to um, do these exercises that we have planned for the retreat allow you also to be able to move those energetic blocks through the body's natural way of breath, sound, movement, mindfulness, and, and energy. And, and once we move that pleasure is able to reside and take its place. And when you feel the pleasure, that's when you're most empowered, right? Because that's when you feel the best. And that's when you are finding that also within yourself. So I'm less dependent on the outside circumstances to be what I need it to be, because I just found the answer with generating pleasure within myself, right? So we activate pleasure through all of our senses, right? Something pleasurable to smell, something pleasurable that you're seeing and hearing and tasting and feeling and touching, right? And as we celebrate that, we are able to begin to live and operate in a world where pleasure becomes the foundation becomes the home base that we can always go back to when we start to feel dysregulated, which is all the time. And we're constantly incurring daily micro stressors. How do we remove that so that we can feel more pleasure? Well, we do these, we do these sensual energy activations where you're breathing in sensual energy and you're, and you're taking it through all of your chakras and you're able to continually keep those energetic blocks removed right? So that you can feel pleasure. And then there's also play. We've also lost the art of play, 
right? And we feel silly and stupid and vulnerable and afraid of what people are going to think and say. And yet play is also part of pleasure. It's also a part of being able to enjoy yourself and laugh at yourself and enjoy life and laugh with others, right? And just like flirting with life, if you will. And so we're, we're incorporating a lot of activities that bring back the art of play. And then in being able to access your pleasure and be able to play, which is also part of that is not caring so much about what other people think because you're becoming more and more um, accepting of yourself, then that's when you have power. And also a huge, huge component of this is the plant ceremony. So this, this is, incorporates two ayahuasca ceremonies and one Temescal ceremony. And that's because that's been really personally transformative for me. The first time I went to do ayahuasca, it completely opened up a portal into my life of awareness and this access to my intuition and who I truly was as a person, because I could see it through ayahuasca. I could, I could see it clear as day. And so I want everybody to experience that. Right. So it truly is this, this, like this, this Petri dish of growth and expansion that can happen over a very short period of time because of what we're putting, packing into that week. Appreciate you sharing that. And I'm, I'm going to switch gears on you yet again. You know, a thought popped into my head. I thought that um, I heard this said, someone told me that 95% of women are fucked up. This was actually a consensus among some men saying that we're so full of trauma, specifically sexual trauma, that we're closed off and rigid. And to be honest, I feel like I'm, I'm one of one of them, I I am fucked up, yet I keep running to men to help me open up. Now, this is crazy, I know, but this is the truth. And so I feel like I've become a fuck doll. And that is why I've been meaning to have this talk and go deeper into it. Because I'm looking for new ways to be, to provide for myself and not look for someone else to guide me to this place. Now, why do we do this? And am I speaking for many more women or am I just a freak show here that this crap is happening to? You know, you, you said you work with a lot of women. So tell me, in your opinion, why the hell would someone do this? Do other women run to men to show them how to be, how to feel, what is acceptable and what is not? And if so, why do we do this? And how do we stop? I mean, I think most women do this because this is, I mean, think about the storybooks that we're raised on, the Disney movies that we're raised on, right? Women are, oh, it's always waiting for their prince to come and save them. We grow up with this narrative that my life will be significantly better once I have a man and he's going to come and he's going to save me. He's going to protect me. He's going to provide for me. He's going to love me. He's going to make me feel like a princess. And when they don't do that, because it's an impossible standard to meet, by the way, no man should be ever put, nobody in general should ever be put in that position, right? Um, but when they don't meet it, we're pissed off 
And we're like, or we, we think we've done something wrong. Right. And so then we have to adjust our standards and, and whatever we have to do. But the premise began from a faulty premise. Right. We don't ever question that this isn't the dynamic that it should be. We just think somebody messed up, either you or me in this dynamic, because this is the way it's still supposed to be. Right. But we don't ever question that this is this is a dynamic that was that or this is a message or a conditioning that was set us up for failure, set both parties up for failure, really. Right. And so to 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 undo that is to be able to first again, come back to yourself and be able to get to a place where I actually am my own lover. I am my own best friend. I am, I give the best fucking advice because I know myself the best. And, and so there is a sense of, of well, empowerment in that. And then you can, from that place, you start to look at men to think, who do I actually want? as opposed to who do I actually need? Because I need you to finally take care of these things that I've been raised to believe it's your responsibility to take care of. And if that's not happening, something might be wrong with me. Or maybe I just haven't found the right guy yet and I'm still looking. As opposed to, I meet all my needs. So therefore, who do I actually want to, if you add to that, great. If you don't add from that, you take away from it or detract from it, then no way, because it, nothing is worth me turning away from myself in order to look towards you, if, if that's the choice that's being presented before me. You're so right. And this thing just sneaks up on you um, when you're not looking. I have a, I have a story to tell you, actually. I was not brought up in the U.S. watching Disney movies. I barely watched fairy tales, actually. I was mainly a tomboy. But a couple of years ago, I was out hiking in Ojai, California, and I came upon a, a, a beautiful field. There was a big tree, and there was a white horse underneath that tree. And the very first thought that popped into my mind was, the night never came. The night did not come. And as soon as that thought presented itself, I was like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? I mean, how deeply ingrained and, and planted these ideas, these narratives are. All of this crap needs to be rewritten. Uh, we need to completely wipe this out. So there is a lot of work for us to do here. And as a psychotherapist in New York City, I want to know, in your experience, do you see that there is hope for us? <laughs> that we're finally making some changes where we're starting to rewrite this entire bullshit narrative? Do we have a chance? Mm. I mean, I would fucking hope so, right? Or it's <laughs> But I do believe so. And the reason why is because women are so much more powerful than, than they are ever have given themselves credit for, right? We are so much more powerful than we realize. And when we are able to tap into that power, we are able to impact the world in a way that the masculine alone is not able to do. I mean, ideally it's a balance, but the feminine has really been missing in our, in our 
global society for a, for a very long time. And, and that's why we have a lot of the issues that we have with, with wars and starvation and, and global cli climate change, we, because it's been absent of the, of the feminine. And so as we become more and more empowered, we have more of a, of a voice and we can change those things. Even sexually, like as I became, became more sexually liberated and started to find my voice, I also was realizing that sexually we're very um, dissociated, men and women, is that because of our disempowerment, we have, uh, men have actually become very dissatisfied right? Because they don't have this counterpart. They're, they're having to be in this position that they don't necessarily want to be in. And then they become more dissociated and desensitized and we become more dissociated in sex and being able to um, show up in ourselves, right? We can have an impact in the, in the sec, in the bedroom that we didn't know we could have before because we were largely dissociated because we were afraid. And as we become more connected with ourselves and are able to show up, we can lead the way sexually, right? So when I'm fully present in my body, I feel like this sensual goddess, right? And, and a man responds to that. And they start to, to become more present as well. And then this, and, and, and now this vanilla sex, which was boring before becomes very passionate and very uh, meaningful and satisfying in a way that wasn't because why a woman showed up differently in that scenario, right? And we have the power therefore to change the dynamic that we currently find ourselves in that is very sad in many ways sexually. Right. But I also think we have that on a large scale in every area. And as we show up for ourselves and become more empowered in ourselves, we do show up in the world differently. And we do have more of an impact and a power because the what the gifts that we uniquely offer as women are necessary and needed. Right. We have these natural abilities to collaborate, to be compassionate, to be um, supportive to be, um, to, to, to empower others. Right. And, and we need that. And so we just aren't aware that we have those qualities and we don't know because of our fear of being rejected, we don't stand up for that. And so as we get grounded in ourselves, which I believe you do through reconnecting with the parts that have gone unconscious, which is your sexuality, we can show up in the world differently and have a greater impact on the global scale than what we currently have. I like that. I like bringing in a wider view and looking at this on a global scale and then bringing it back down to each and every one of us. Because... This gives it meaning and purpose and a responsibility for all of us to do our part, to change and to truly come to a place of empowerment. And this also gives me chills because it truly saddens me to see so many women still believing this narrative, including myself. I see a lot of washed up, used up, fuck dolls, Barbie dolls, and it truly hurts my heart. Okay, I do want to finish off on an uplifting note. So 
Let's talk about your upcoming uh, retreat. I know your co-host, and if she's involved, then I know it's got to be a lot of fun. So give me the lowdown on this retreat, all the details and all the planned fun. And what is it that people can look forward to learn and take away and go away with? Yeah, yeah. So it's October 28th through November 4th of 2022. And it is um, one of the ayahuasca ceremonies in particular is on October 31st, which is supposed to be the most powerful day of the year, according to um, people who run ayahuasca ceremonies of being able to access the spirit world as and the, the doors between the the spirit world and the 3D world are the most thinned. So that is personally exciting for me to be able to have an ayahuasca ceremony on that evening. Um, and I really want people, my, my passion and my mission is for people to walk away with a, with a sense that I know how to resource myself. I know how to resource pleasure in my body because when I can resource pleasure, I can face anything. I have the courage to take the risks that I want to take in life. I have the courage to deal with the, the things that are holding me back, which is typically painful. I have the courage to um, create and put things out there in the world. And so and also I'm able to tap into my intuition because when I'm calm, I'm able to do that. And also through the ayahuasca ceremonies, you're able to do that at a deeper level that you could never attain just through breath work as an example, or through working with me. And so I would love if people walked away with those very tangible, necessary skills to be able to live life in a more contented, joyful way, which I think at the end of the day, that's what all of us want. If we could all say this, if I do this, I could live joyfully majority of the time. I think everybody would say yes to that. And so that's my hope is that we're giving you skills and, and tools to be able to do that in your everyday life. Because as a psychotherapist for 20 years or over 20 years, there's a lot of people walking around with smiles on their faces that are really actually hurting and empty and very dissatisfied on the inside, hoping that something outside of themselves is going to change one day. And this is all going to get better. But the reality is, is that system is never going to work, which is why they feel that way. They have to be able to find them and the, find that within themselves. And as you and I've been talking, that's not an easy thing to do. Right. And so being able to do it in a shorter amount of time um, and, and in a more encompassing way, I mean, is also ideal, right? As opposed to years of therapy, potentially. I mean, you don't have to do years of therapy to, with me to, to achieve those results, but it's going to be a lot longer, right? Than what a week would be in the jungle. I feel like I seriously need to rewrite what joy and pleasure mean to me because quite frankly, I don't. I don't really feel joyful most of the time. I'm curious about you. Do you consider yourself a joyful person? Can you truly look at yourself and say, you have joy in your life? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I absolutely do feel that way. 
I mean, I, I think I've always been kind of a, a person who tries to seize life for all that it's worth and squeeze every ounce of joy and happiness out of it. But I've been severely limited by the messaging that I've been told that this is shameful or this is bad, or you should, that's hedonistic or that's selfish or whatever. And so I've gone along with the conditioning and said, okay, well, maybe I'll do more of serving everybody else. And maybe that will make me happy, which of course never did. And so there was always that, that I was struggling with, but now I feel like I am free to celebrate pleasure in all its forms. And that of course is to me synonymous with joy. And I have this mentality that flirting is a woman's superpower, right? Flirt because flirting is collaborative. You're, you're making them feel special. You're bringing them into the group. When you flirt, you're, you're, you're bringing down otherwise negative intentions towards you. You know, it softens that and maybe even engenders good intentions towards you. So I also have this idea that I want to flirt with life, flirt with my dog, flirt with babies, flirt with my child, flirt with the doorman, flirt with, with my, my web designer who gets on my nerves and I'm just like, I'm going to flirt with her a little bit and then I feel better and she feels better and we all get, so it's also a way in which I'm approaching life and it's, and, um, and that I, now that I have, my body has tasted pleasure and all its forms, I just want it more. And now I realize I can also create that right? That my reality is, is less about what happens to me and how I react to it. And it's more about how I view it and what I create because of how I'm viewing it. Right. And so it's, it's, a, it's an attitude shift. Um, and it's also about being able to activate harness and hold on to pleasure, which as a culture, we've not really been taught to do. And it's not even really even encouraged if we naturally start to just do it on our own and maybe even rejected for it. And so it's, it's a lost art. And I think that's why a lot of us have nothing but anxiety and we're always in this achievement rat race of if I just get this, then I can be happy without being able to really cultivate an ability to just find it in the little things in life, right? So yes, I would say that for the most part, I am a very joyful person. And that's also why I've become much more passionate in what I do. Because I think this is not just me and my personality. This is a mindset shift. And this is a this is attainable for anyone who does this work. And so therefore, because I'm a helper and I'm in the helping profession, and that's my passion is to work with other people and help them to become more liberated, I want this for them too. I'm so glad that you took the time to explain what join means to you. You could have, you could have very well just said, you know, yeah, I'm joyful and um, leave it at that. But you gave examples and that says a lot. And I appreciate that because many times what we really need is a reminder, a shift in perception. And you have done just that for me. And as I'm sitting here, I'm... I'm challenging myself to help myself have a more joyful life. And I want to challenge all of you listeners to, to go out and flirt with life. Flirt your little hearts out because 
I do know for myself that when I am in a more open attitude, when I'm more flirtatious, it opens up the doors to so many other experiences. And it's not really a one-way street. It's not a one-way street. When we open up, it also helps others around us open up. It puts a smile on their face and puts a warmth in their heart. So yeah, that's my challenge to me. And I want to challenge you all to start flirting with life a little more. Well, I would like to add to your, as you, as you navigate this for yourself, right, that as you're kind of recognizing is that it's, it's your own, typically it's our, it's achievable. We can have it, right? It's just our own belief that we can't have it, right? So what I run into more times than not is women who have, or and men too, that have complexes around their deservingness or their worthiness of having those good things, of feeling good, of feeling joy. Like I don't really deserve it. I'm not even, and if you ask them straight out, do you feel like you deserve to feel joy or worthy of feeling joy? They'll be like, yes. But as we get down into it, there is parts of them that are actually really scared to feel it. Right. And so then what we have to do is we notice that part. Okay. What is this part? It's typically like an inner child part or something that's afraid that something terrible is going to happen to them if they allow themselves to feel what it is that they want to feel or have the goal that they want to have or experience the desire or the want that they want. There's, it's not because they can't get it. It's because they keep sabotaging themselves because they're afraid to have it. So as you're kind of going about like flirting with life, which in and of itself can undo a lot right? Because you're telling yourself, I can flirt with life if I want. I don't have to wait for this or that or become this or get skinnier or look prettier or get a boyfriend or whatever, or get a better job. I can just flirt with life right now. And in this, in this moment, I can enjoy myself. So that in and of itself is great. But you also want to, you also want to notice if I, I want to have this, what is this part that's coming up? That's telling my, that's kind of feeling like that's, I can't do it. Right. And then you're noticing that and then you're trying to access the, even just in noticing it gives you some more power than what you had before. You're making things conscious that you didn't have before. And then you're recognizing and owning the fact that I can self-generate any feeling that I want. Imagine I can just turn up the volume on it. Imagine that I felt like, let's say I feel on a scale of one to 10, a happiness level of four right now. And then I sit here and I imagine, what if I turn it up to six? What would I feel in my body at a six? And your body will generate it at a six. Because your brain doesn't know what's real and imagined. It knows what you tell it. So if I tell it I'm joyful at a six, it can generate that in your body, right? So you're just learning the art of generating the feelings that you want to have. But as you do that, you're also simultaneously dealing with the energetic blocks or the limiting beliefs that tell you that bad shit's going to happen to you if you allow yourself to do that. So I feel like we've come back full circle you know, my question of why do we need retreats and why do we need community is because if we could have done these things for ourselves, we would have already done it, right? So for those of you who are now intrigued by this conversation and want to, more, want to know more about this upcoming um, retreat that Kale and Claire are putting on, there will be a link to the website and it will be attached to this episode description. So um, go ahead and, and look up 
look that up and, and join them if you can in Costa Rica. I know it's going to be as amazing. And I want to thank you, Kale, for this wonderful conversation, for listening, for listening to me and entertaining all my little skeptical questions and for really bringing joy to this past hour of our time together. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you very yeah. much.